look different from your photographs. Are you disappointed? Ambivalent, barely recalibrating expectations. There. I guess you do this a lot. Actually, it is my first time. Really now, you don't say. Affirmative. I have difficulty connecting with people. Some of my co-workers have been razzing me about it. Tell me about your co-workers. Nice, GR. Real subtle. Are you ready to order? Full disclosure, I do not eat. I do. However, I can only consume a specially formulated enzyme paste. So? Yes. Let us go somewhere else. So, hi! Welcome to Venture Bros, Venture Bros Podcast. With me, your host as always, Brian Dressel. With me, as always, is Nick, the human eraser, Friedemann. Wait, what? <laughs> Who is that? Is this a murderer? Did you do nicknames for serial killers? Is that Joe Wayne Gase's have no nickname? Idea. I have no idea who this person is. Marvin Webster? I have, n- I have to look this up. <laughs> Marvin Webster. I don't know what sport that, he plays. Famous serial killer, maybe. Yeah, Mar- he's on a sports nickname list. Oh no, that's OJ Simpson. Human- I guess he's a basketball player in like the seventies. <laughs> Jesus. God, that that. So you didn't know that one? Sh- I finally stopped yeah, Nick. I, the human eraser is one you could have called OJ. Well, the voice you're hearing right now, of course, is Mr. Matt. He hate me, Dykes. I- Ooh. I don't hate you that much. I know exactly who well, this is. <laughs> <laughs> it's a popular XFL yes. player. What the fuck is XFL? It was it was an extreme football league created by uh, I can't remember his name, but the guy who runs the WWE. Um, he was the owner what? of the WWE. What? Oh, what the hell is Vince name? McMahon? Uh, yes. Yes. And it actually did some interesting stuff. They, uh, the well, you don't watch American football, and I don't really either. But um, the there's a thing that basically the the camera that goes along the middle of the field, and like the behind the quarterback, and all like all the different camera angles that the NFL uses now are all ripped off from the XFL. So because they just they shot it better, so it looked more like. Yes. Intense. So, like, what? They they get the ball to one end, and then they'd have to pin a guy down, and the referee would appear and go one, two, three. Suplex. That, that's how they go. No, they they really just kind of lessened the holding rules, and then shot it at a different angle, and said it's extreme yep. now. And then the NFL was like, "This isn't a bad idea." And then the XFL went out of business. So. <laughs> <laughs> when when did the XFL come out? I'm trying to like. That's like early 2000s. Ah, or that would explain why it's XFL because it's it's a, it's mm-hmm. around the time where you know there was a lot of things coming out that had the letter X in because it sold well to the kids apparently. Oh yeah, like Existence. Yeah. Ah, that was a big hit with the kids. <laughs> <laughs> I just remember there was like a, a an X Men style um, TV series that was like a, an X Men ripper called Mutant X. Oh yeah, as well. Oh yeah. <laughs> Or did you did you ever see the movie Sixth Day, Matt? Yes, the Arnold movie. Yeah, they play XFL in Sixth Day. Oh, really? Yeah, that's what they're playing in the beginning there because they they really got in on it and thought the XFL was here to stay. 
Nope. Speaking of clones. There we go. (laughs) Bot seeks bot. Yep. Yep. (laughs) Nick, you're going to have fun trimming down that intro, aren't you? I'll I'll leave it all in. (laughs) (laughs) People tuning in for Venture Brothers really want to hear about the XFL. (laughs) All the listeners there going, just talk about the fucking Venture Brothers already. (laughs) Which is how I felt about this this episode. I actually really like this episode. Yeah, I do too. Uh, uh, Matt, it's your turn to say everything that happens in it. If you can do it very quickly so we can dive into this. Okie dokie. Very interesting episode. Right. So it's kind of a follow-on episode from uh, OSI Love You. So the OSI has been spying on uh, the funeral of the one councilman who was identified by... um, Monstrous. Monstrous. Oh, fuck, I was completely blanked on his name then. I was like, big yeah, guy, fat guy. And I was like, in my head it was like, wide whale. No. Yep. <laughs> Random chance? <laughs> okay, an idiot. Uh, yeah, so they're spying on uh, the funeral of the Clue Clown, who was the councilman um, identified by Monstroso in OSI, I Love You. And they are taking photos of all the people who are attending to try and identify who the uh, any other members of the council and they deduce that there is a uh, one of the people there is a councilman number one, I think he is, and they find out that he is a robot called Vendata, so they set up a sting using Ghost Robot to go on a date with Vendata to try and lure out the rest of the council and end up in a nightclub where Rusty shows up because he thinks that uh, Brock and Shawley are going off to a party somewhere and is uh, not he's just basically wanting to gate crash the party and then ends up getting caught and stuck on a big spinning wheel where they get to decide how they're going to torture him to death and just as they're about to dip him in acid the monarch shows up and like basically ends the party and like takes and he's about to take Venture for himself, and the giant disco ball lands on Doctor Venture, seemingly killing him. Seemingly so. Yeah, that was fucking awful. Uh, that was uh, about as long as the episode. That was awful. <laughs> it was like Again, Nick, it was like having have the, fun cutting that. Down. Yeah, it. it was like having the episode described to you by. Fuck! I can't think of like a really boring voice person. Like, it's like it was like having the episode described to you by fucking, um, oh, Saint Cloud. There we go. <laughs> Who also makes an appearance in this episode? Yes, and gets shit on, and I love it so much. Oh yeah, so good. <laughs> um, the get to so, the, so where I'd like to start with this episode is is with that whole. Is this just basically a sequel to OS I Love You? Yes. I think so. I think it's, a, it's maybe not a direct sequel, but definitely a continuation of that story arc. And for that, it kind of makes me go back to the old... Did they just want to make kind of a G.I. Joe-esque show with OSI? Is this just scratching that itch that they kind of had? Maybe. Yeah. Because it is very OSI-centric, I mean? again. Like OSI Love Again, you. yeah. But they just... Did, did Dean and Hank and Dean even show up in this episode? I don't remember them ever sh- actually showing up in this episode. 
No. I don't think so. And if it is, it's brief. It might be for like a line, yeah. but I don't think they show up at all. It's mostly just OSI and then Rusty being Rusty. Right. Yeah. Um, which I'm sort of fine with because the long and short of it is like these OSI episodes I enjoy. I think they're fun and they're they don't really add a lot to the overall Venture Brothers feel for me, but it's kind of a nice break and it's kind of that whole we've been talking about. Uh, you could see they're a little tired of the compound and doing these OSI episodes breaks them out and they get to stretch some creative muscles. And because of that, we get things like Ghost Robot trying to be somebody he's not and it's adorable yeah. and terrible. And it's like it's almost like it's setting stuff up as well that you we end up with all this in Gigantua 2 as well. It's that mm-hmm. continuing story thread of, of laying the groundwork for what that becomes. Yeah, which is essentially the finale to all compound stuff. Yeah, every story, well, not every, but most storylines up to that point get answered in that episode, which is two away from here. Mm. Um, but all in all, I I like this episode. I think it's a a good one. I think it's funny. I love the opening. Everything in the funeral, like whenever there's a a, a grave site in this show, it's usually pretty funny. Yeah. Um, and, and I think all of it just kind of worked. But Nick, I I think you're a little bit colder on it. I think my only problem with this episode is that I understand what they're trying to do at the end. I just feel like this episode would be stronger without Rusty and Billy. Because I feel like it takes away from what the mystery is for the OSI. You know what I mean? Like, I wish that it was more about them figuring it out than it is about kind of like all of these things kind of converging onto one event. But just a counterpoint, how often do you think Brock thinks, man, this would be better if Rusty wasn't here? Isn't that just kind of the show? Yes, but in this case, I really feel like it would have been just a stronger episode. Because I think the problem is, is that he comes in real late, and it's around the time that the episode feels like it's ramping up, and then it dips. And then it comes back up. But he, the reason why Rusty's there is to kind of like segment certain bits, right? So he's there as a plot device to basically make it so that they can't leave the van. Uh, dead, what's his name? It's not Deadshot. Um, headshot. Headshot. Uh, headshot. Headshot and um, uh, John Hodgman. Uh <laughs> <laughs> make it so that they can't leave the van and so that there's a reason that like the rest of the osi crew can't leave the club and it feels like he is kind of a plot device he does kind of get introduced late like there's just a it's it doesn't quite gel with me as that so i feel like if they had gotten rid of him then the episode would have been more about the osi part which I feel like is the most interesting thing. It's a very lore-heavy episode that's very active, which I feel like is a new step, kind of, for them. It's also, like, it's almost his his part is literally to set up the next episode as well. Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. why is he yeah. captured by the monarch? Yes. Yeah, so it is kind of like, it does... Rusty's basically there to set up other stuff, so I think it is kind of true... What you're saying, it would have been a stronger episode, but it would have been a standalone episode, which I think at this point in the season, they didn't have time for. You're right. Um, so it does kind of have a necessity to get some other stuff done. And I, I think that's fine. Like I, I Personally, it doesn't really bother me that much because everything else is so strong that Rusty's showing up, in, especially showing up with Billy, who just 
always in the wrong place at the wrong time. Yep. Just kind of, I, I'm sort of okay with it because they do still entertain me. And we haven't even mentioned the fact that Brick Frog just walks by a few times, you know. It's true. So all of that makes everything okay. What I love about um, Rusty and Billy showing up is you think the guard is buying the act that he's a ventriloquist dummy and everything like that. And, and the fir- I remember the first time I watched it, seeing that bit and just thinking, oh, come on. You're not that, surely you're not that stupid. And then he just goes straight to his boss and is like, oh, yeah, by the way, Dr. Venture showed up with a, a midget trying to, be, trying to pretend to be a ventriloquist. Yeah. <laughs> and it's just like yes yes they are smart it's so good like fucking rusty like of course rusty thinks he can get away with it of course <laughs> it's like billy that thinks that he can get away with it as well it's... Uh, well that's he just gets drunk off rusty's confidence yeah. um the one thing that i i always kind of doesn't rub me the wrong way but always kind of makes me go huh in this episode is that OSI is willing to sell, send in a civilian. Yeah. I mean, he's, not, he's technically not a full civilian, but I do get what you mean. Because well, he is a, I mean, he's a superhero in his own right. He's Ghost Robot. Sure. He's part of the but, Action News Team group. Yes. However, in OSI's terms, he is a civilian, because that's how they refer to him many times. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But there but is then again, Brock does have this. that line. Yeah, Brock does also have that line. that like, I don't feel comfortable using a civilian. Or something like that. I wish we didn't have to use a civilian for this. Yeah. But there is precedence for this because there's the whole bit with Billy. Oh, I guess that's true. I guess they do do this. OSI is uh, not the good guy. I always kind of need to remind myself. They're not good guys. They're protagonists. Yeah. Arguably kind of bad guys. Yeah. They'll do what's necessary for the greater good. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Their version of the greater good. There you go. Which might not be good at all. They're also kind of bad guys. Uh, There's not really a good guy in this whole series, really. Possibly Scare Bear. We don't know yet. The verdict <laughs> is still out. Uh, he did save Hank from hypothermia. Yes. Yeah. But it didn't take um, him straight to the hospital. No, I took him to his brother. Yeah, it tortured him. Every- Basically said, look at what your brother's doing. <laughs> Maybe, or maybe he didn't know what his brother was doing. We'll get to that in season seven. We have time. <laughs> um, Moving. What do you guys back. think of the uh, the monarch showing up? Because we actually haven't seen the monarch in a while. I loved his intro. Yes, and it was. I remember the first time seeing it. Not really fully like when you see the uh, the squid guy on the phone to someone, and I and I remember just sort of thinking, "Oh, is he on the phone?" So like, it's it's obvious now that you know that it's the monarch. But then I remember at the time, like yeah. the first time, going, oh, "Who the hell is he on the phone to?" And then when the monarch shows, I'm like, "Oh, yes." <laughs> and it's just like and I just, the way he shows up is so good. What the hell is going on? What the fuck is going on? <laughs> uh, it's yeah. like I, I remember because I was I was watching this on on a download as well because uh, I usually have the Blu-ray, but I had to watch it on my phone. And it's all and it's oh, bleeped sure. out. I was like, ah! I love the way he says the what the fuck. He's like, what the fuck is going on? <laughs> yeah, he is pretty fantastic at saying fuck. Yeah. Um. But overall, like, I just I love his intro. I love uh, them trying to like counterpoint him with like, well, actually, in a team up, we don't have to, and like just all like the bureaucratic bullshit yeah. that they try to spout back and forth about why they're able to kill Rusty, and then eventually. He wins. Doctor misses the monarch. Is like, ah, apart from this, 
And that's the best <laughs> thing about it as well. He's just stood there going, honey. <laughs> <laughs> Will you please win this fight? Yeah. And then she does. And then she joins the Council of 13, essentially because of that. Like, it it just all works so incredibly well. Um, but the other, the downside to it, and as great as it is, is it does kind of lead into that problem of, if you don't like Rusty in this episode, we miss out on all of this. Yeah. yeah. I mean, honestly, I, I think Rusty being in the episode, yeah, it possibly could have been better without him in there but it adds a level of tension that actually continues the story because it would have been really boring if the episode had just ended with um brock going right can we get the fuck out of here now and then like them just leaving yeah you'd had that sort of like that extra level of tension of well they can't go yeah it can't be that easy for them to just leave yeah, I'm not sure exactly how it all would have shaken out had he not been there, but it's like I personally I don't mind him being there. Like it doesn't I see what Nick's saying, it would have been a stronger standalone episode. But then we do miss out on some stuff and like I said, it, it ultimately doesn't bother me that much. Maybe just cuz that's me. But um I don't remember where I was going. <laughs> I had a thing. It's fine. I do that all oh, the time. Does it ever come up again that Shoreleave is the one who almost killed Rusty? Yeah, I was. I remember so sort of like every time I watch this episode, I'm thinking, what the fuck is Shoreleave actually do, planning on doing with that? Is he just gonna drop the disco ball onto everybody? Oh, I have no idea. Right. But then he doesn't cut it all the way through because he's the one who like he cuts it so far and it has that amazing line of like, "I'm not used to this much girth." <laughs> God, that's such a good line. <laughs> but yeah what was his fucking plan no idea i have no i do take it to be fair as him just panicking like the whole episode he doesn't really feel like traditional shore leave who's a little bit more like in charge of things it feels like the whole mission is very like slapdash where it's like yeah like for example the whole point was for them to go to what was essentially pf chang's um and go just like listen to their conversation but then ghost robot just decides to go improv and go it's like the whole thing is just like uh uh-oh and things start going downhill but this is exactly where i feel like you should cut rusty and devote more time to them panicking because then it feels like it makes a little bit more sense but i understand i could i could I totally see what you're saying because that would be a very good episode and it's just kind of a shame this one has to do the double duty but I, I do like them panicking, especially because the way Ghost Robot does it. Just full disclosure, I don't yes. eat food. I do, however, nothing this place yes. can give me. I, I love that conversation because it was just so, like, wow, they let's both go somewhere stink else. At this. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I just, I love I'm... the the thumbs up and the little the wink. It is the light in his eye goes off and back on. Oh and yeah, like, just through the oh, through yeah. the through <laughs> the window of the van. That like, kills me every time. And the fact that he's still trying to get used to, like, he's got those... Does, he, does Ghost Robot not have actually... No, he doesn't, does he? has the weird claw thing, so he's now got yeah, actual got fingers. So he's still trying to figure the, figure out the fact that he's got fingers he, and everything. Yeah, he's just getting used to hands. Yeah. <laughs> Fucking great. Uh, oh, boy. I... Oh, Brock was very kind this week with his notes to write down some of the patrons that he thought was funny that showed up that I feel like we should mention. You got the Franklin Delanor Disco... You have Brick Frog, of course, uh, Hate Bit, which I love, and then my favorite, which is Sensational, 
who has all of his planet-themed hitmen, uh, henchmen, which is just fucking hysterical as they just walk through the bar together. And then, of course, <laughs> Joseph in his amazing Technicolor Nightmare Coat, who I still don't think has had a line yet. No, no, we've heard him mentioned, referenced in the past, and I think this is the first time we see him. That could be. I don't think he ever really gets a line. Like, he's not really that sort of character, but I do like that he just pops up every now and then. I agree. Yeah. Just because his name is so fantastically ridiculous. It's just the way that like, the first time it's said as well, in the first episode you hear it, Joseph and his Technicolor Nightmare Coat. <laughs> but there's like oh, there's other I'd things... I'd love to see an episode with him. There's uh, other things that Brock's mentioned as well, like in Brock's lo- locker when he's getting the costumes, you can briefly see a canoe hanging from the ceiling, which is um, the canoe that he earned with the Marlboro, Ma- Manboro Mile oh, Point. Oh, that's right, yeah. It mentioned to Hank during uh, Pomp and Circuitry. I just love that little thing. I've never even noticed it before. Um, can we talk about, like, just a minute? Can we take, like, a, a minute just to talk about the nightclub itself and the design of that nightclub? Because I think it's sure. fucking amazing. It is so really cool. It's, like, one of, the, like, the most, you know, it's, like, supposed to be hell. And, my God, it just, the, the decor in it is just gorgeous it's just the design and everything like that i think it's amazing it's probably one of my favorite set sets i know it's not an actual thing but like one of my favorite sets of the whole season i just think it looks so good i mean it looks great I, i've never really paid that much attention to it beyond just the side characters i'd have to go back through it and see all of it honestly um, i just i just turned the page in the book and it's got a lot of uh, pictures of the nightclub itself and I was just looking at it just, in, oh, just cool. in, in awe of it like you've got the DJ system set up like above the bar and and then like you know the big the big ass uh, disco ball but just everything in there is just it's designed to be like hell you know candles like in candlesticks and, and just yeah in, there's like a big piece of artwork which is it's like burning skeletons and death and, and all sorts just above the the disc the the DJ thing it just yeah I just it's so intricate and you like you don't really see half as much of it in the episode it's like when you look just looking at the photos itself I mean speaking from film experience that's pretty true of every set known to man yeah but this is like an animated one where they have to you know they don't have to build it or anything like that because you, you know, well, I mean, it's still, but the the concept still plays. Where you make the best looking room you possibly can, and then you see what you see of it. Yeah, that's true. But if you don't put that time and effort into it, then then you don't have what is arguably one of the best shows ever made. So true. I I think that you are you are noticing something that they really wish more people would notice. Yeah, which is <laughs> how much detail they put in that location. Because I definitely missed it. I'll need to go back through the the book and whatnot. Yeah, it's like literally a full page, and it's like six or five photos of like the different angles of the the thing it just looks amazing yeah they, they definitely are good in their details yeah um oh the one thing that, that I, I do want to mention in this that i haven't because i keep forgetting i love the callback to uh uh what is it the buddy system with the the suit that they still have yes he just found out they still have it wait you were supposed to return that years ago <laughs> and just brock's response of the i gotta go they close in 10 minutes i don't want to get charged for another day well do you know that the fruit bat suit as well that's another callback to um the episode well, they, with... they blatantly talk about that one right yeah but that's one of the guys that's the guy who 
shows up when the the general is visiting, and then Brock's dressed up as the um, the, the, the customer. Murders. Yes, it's the yeah. fruitopia. And he goes, so. Not... <laughs> yes. Oh, Spanakopita. Um, but yeah, I do like that. I like the callback. I also like that the the reason why they even know that it is a callback is because one of the friends of the guy has like. He's been missing for years, and you're not him. <laughs> you know, yeah, I need to go yeah. back and rewatch the the bit in Brock's garage, though, because I bet there's a load of little Easter eggs in that thing of like you know callbacks to previous henchmen that he's killed and things like that, and just just stuff like that. I so this brings up a it's question: where... Is Brock keeping these as like weird mementos? That's what I was just going to say. Like, is Brock a trophy keeper? Like, that kind of wouldn't surprise <laughs> no. me. I guess. Yeah, Brock's definitely a trophy killer. Oof. I didn't... It, maybe he's a process killer as well, because he's just, he does like to kill. He's both. Yeah. Yeah, that could be. That makes sense. Uh, I think that's pretty much everything in this thing, yeah. right? Yeah. Yeah, maybe. Um, maybe. Oh, there's the council members as well. When they're going, oh, when they're, you know what? When, when they're going down to the club, that just like that whole conversation where they're talking about the when they used to race them and, and the race cars and everything like that, and then um, is it Dragoon or Red Man? No, it's Red Mantle who goes. He starts uh, talking about, oh yes, the the man with the mustache and his dog, and then it just goes to Red Man uh, Dragoon who just goes, that was the wacky races, you senile <laughs> old fool, and, and then it just cuts back to Red Mantle and just goes. Well, they were quite wacky, yes. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking love Red Mantle. Uh, that's actually the one thing I forgot I wanted to bring up. My favorite Red Mantle moment of beyond the teenagers are deadly cruel and they'll taunt us because our trousers are no longer in style. Um, my other favorite Red Mantle moment is in this when the clue clown comes bursting out <laughs> of his uh, coffin. And just everything he says after that was so great. Like the... It's the punchline to the joke, and just you hear in the background, too soon. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, well, he always did say he'd have the last laugh. He was wrong. He was wrong. <laughs> <laughs> I just love the like the the, the dressed as a woman as well. Oh yeah. Why? I mean, it, it looks good on. They wear it well. I think so. I had a long thought about that because I was like, hmm. I think that what it is is that he's normally dressed in that like big red robe, and I think that that's right. just a black version of it with a veil. Yeah, actually, that makes sense. And I think that I mean, it yeah, does th- seem that makes sense. Like it's a, you know like a dress, but I think it's just the red robe, or it's a black version of the red robe. I think. I think you're right. Yeah. Right, I'm ready to move into favorite characters. You yes. Guys? Yeah. All right. So let's do it. Favorite characters. Uh, we just mentioned mine. We're just talking about them. I, I got to go Red Mantle. Like every time. Red Mantle and Dragoon. They, they, whenever they show up, they crack me up. And just because of the too soon and the he was wrong, they win the whole episode for me. Yeah. For me, it's uh, Ghost Robot. I just everything that he does is just so good. It's like. We've got this really intricate plan. You keep him in the restaurant, keep him talking, everything like that. And immediately he's like, let's go. Yeah, let's go somewhere else. <laughs> and then it's like, it's just like the cockiness and the like, the things. oh yeah, I'm doing a really good job here. Thumbs up, guys. Hey, wink, wink. 
He tries. You, you gotta give him effort. He does his best. And it's the way he talks as well. I just love the way that he talks. Just that 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 voice just gets me all the time. Especially in like the first episode you meet him, like, um, I too know that the, the just, oh god, yeah, just, it makes me oh, so good. Nick, what about well, you? I will never not mention this character whenever they're in an episode, no matter how little. But it's Dr. Henry Killinger. We didn't talk about this part because it's kind of inconsequential. But yeah, easily my favorite. It, it makes very. It makes no sense in this episode whatsoever. But that's kind of yes. the point. I think it's just to be like, they're still here and then continue. But Dr. Henry yeah, Killinger. Don't, don't forget about these guys. They, they'll be important soon. Just just remember that yep. they're here. Um, okay, great. So let's do a quick round of plugs. Uh, be sure to listen to After the Hype, Samwise, Demon Days, and Damage Boost. Uh, and be sure to check out our website for everything and more. That's ATHpod.com. Uh, play the video games that Nick works on, even though you don't know what they are. And Matt, what, anything to plug? Um, latest article that came out should be the Marvel vs. Sony one that I did. Um, cool. Called it Corporate Wars. Just, you know, the name came to me. Corporate wars where everyone loses. Yeah, pretty much. That could be a good. Everyone loses. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's quite a. I just got fed up of seeing a lot of people like shitting on Sony when it's not actually Sony's fault. The whole situation. Uh, so I just decided to flip it around and be like, actually, look at it from Sony's perspective. Uh, a, look at it from Sony's perspective. B, remember it's Disney. Yeah. They're probably the bad guy. Yeah. Because they always are. Yep. So yeah, I've just been. That's like a massive steaming turd on on Disney, basically. Oh Disney, <laughs> I'm so annoyed that I still keep paying for everything you make. <laughs> oh well. All right. So thank you very much, everyone, for listening. Please tune in next week where we talk about the season five finale-ish. If you don't count all this in your Ganshua two, which Hulu does not for some reason. Uh, that's everything. Bye. Doodle. Bye. Bye.